Welcome back to the VBPH Sermon Podcast. All this week, we'll be featuring messages from our fellowship's recent South African Bible Conference, led by Pastor Jonathan Heimberg. We pray these messages will bless your life, and we'll return to our normal schedule next week. God bless and enjoy. Okay, I, I, go home, I go back, change hats, and here I'm back again. Mark chapter 6, uh, we'll go there in the Word of God. What a gracious, uh, gracious uh, spirit. Such tremendous preaching. And I'm, I'm listening to the men of God preach this morning. You could take what was preached this morning and turn it into a book. Amen. And, uh, and uh, because this is what the people of Africa need to hear. And that is their own calling out. There's clarity. There's direction. Uh, I've been the privilege of coming to this conference now for quite a few years. And I've seen the growth and the maturity. And it was very uh, interesting that uh, Lieben said today, I was sitting back there and I was thinking, wow, man, there aren't any white people here anymore. And I was no, making that observation. Right after I said it, he said the very same thing. It's kind of spooky. But... Uh, <laughs> A uh, very, very powerful uh, uh, ministry. And so I'm going to trust that God's going to help us. I almost started preaching like that. But uh, <laughs> um, Mark chapter 6, I enjoy reading. John Wesley said, read or get out of the ministry. And I particularly enjoy, or I don't know if the words enjoy, but I, I read a lot of biographies. Uh, I think uh, that uh, you can glean a lot about life and history. And uh, one of my favorite biographies uh, I read was uh, the story of Harry Truman. Harry Truman was, uh, has an interesting story because he was a man who never seemed to get a break. He was one of those guys that it just seemed like he had these ambitions in his heart, but circumstances wouldn't. There was a movie made many years ago called It's a Wonderful Life, a guy named George Bailey who kept trying to leave, and it's, nothing would let him leave. And it, that's kind of what Harry Truman's life was like. The guy was into, well into his 30s. He wasn't married yet. He seemed to always struggle. He was a poor farmer. But he dreamed of going to the big city, going to college, and he had ideas of doing things, but it never seemed to happen. One time he managed to leave and go to Kansas City, and he got, got into a bank, you know, and, and he was going to go to college, and he had ambition, and his father died. So he had to go back and work the farm, and he was not a very good farmer. There was a girl that he'd been in love with since they were in, uh, 12 years old, uh, and he was now in his 30s. She still wouldn't talk to him. And he was just going through all this. But, but what happened was World War I. And when it became clear that America was going to get involved in that war, and there was a tremendous uh, 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 wave of patriotism, and every healthy young man volunteered and wanted to go to war, he was already, I think, 37 years old. And so he went to go sign up to go to war, and they said, you're too old. He goes, well, I want to go. And so they took him through his exam, and he was blind as a bat. He couldn't see and said, no, 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 you're old and you're blind. Get out of here. And so he was bummed out, but he, you know, when you're that old, you have some friends. And so he had a friend who was a doctor, and as a favor to him, he passed him. 
And so he went back and they finally agreed to let him join the army. And so the way they would do it is they would organize their particular unit with just locals. And in those days, they would vote their officers. And because he was so much older than everybody else, they voted him their officer. And so what surprised everybody, he was actually a very good officer. He was disciplined. He knew how to work with men. He had them uh, 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 over and over again, uh, do everything. They were an artillery unit, uh, and so practice makes perfect. Uh, and he would drill them and drill them and drill them. And finally, they were called uh, to the European theater, and they entered in uh, uh, towards the end of World War I. Um, and his artillery unit was so successful, they kept moving with the advance. Um, and uh, at the end uh, of the war, uh, he did not lose a single man. Uh, they were uh, decorated. Uh, and when he returned home, he returned a, a war hero. And because of that, uh, sure enough, they came and they said, why don't you run for this local political office? And he won. Um, and then the state uh, uh, Democrat Party uh, uh, saw him and they invited him to run for statewide office. Um, eventually, uh, he was asked to become a senator. Um, and 25 years uh, after this man who seemed to have no destiny uh, uh, became an officer, uh, he became president of the United States. And while he was president, in that short period of time, he made the most significant decisions of any president in the 20th century. He is the one who decided to drop the atomic bomb. He is the president that said Israel will become a nation. If you would have seen the man in a drugstore at 35 years old, you would have felt sorry for him. You would have never guessed the leader he was. You would have not seen it. Nobody picked. They went back and asked his old grade school teacher, did you see it in Harry? He said, no, I never saw anything in Harry. Oh, by the way, he ended up marrying the girl, just so you know. Some of you single guys, what about the girl? He, he got married. <laughs> Why am I saying that story? Because there are leaders here who do not know that you're leaders. There are teenagers here. There are 16-year-olds that don't know that your God wants you to be a leader. There are men here. You have failed. There was a time where you had aspirations. You wanted to do something for God. You might have been doing something, but there's failure. And today, you don't think, I'm, I'm not a leader, Pastor. There are people you've been sitting in your church for years uh, watching other people, and, and you've said, I'm not a leader. And many times what happens is men disqualify themselves in their mind from being leaders. But I want to tell you tonight, it is possible that you are a leader and God sees you as a leader, but you don't know you're a leader. And my proof is our text tonight. Because it's the story of men who would become the most famous men in history. The men that we're going to look at, we all know their names, and for 2,000 years, we know who they are. But when you read this story, they had no idea they were going to be leaders. And this story, I believe, is where Jesus began to tell men who didn't think they could be a leader that he intended them to be a leader. I want to preach a sermon called Looking for Leaders. Mark 6, 34, we're going to look there in the Word of God 
very well-known passage. It says, Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep, not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. When the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place and already the hour is late. Send them away that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread. For they have nothing to eat. But he answered and said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread? Give them something to eat. But he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said five and two fish. And he commanded them to make them all sit down in groups on the green grass. They sat down in ranks in hundreds and in fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves, gave them to his disciples set them before them, and the two fish he divided among them all. So they all ate and were filled, and they took up 12 baskets full of fragments and of the fish. Verse 44 says, Now those who had eaten the loaves were about 5,000 men. Father, help us. God, I pray tonight, uh, God, lay hold of the hearts of men. Awaken in young men and in old men. Burden to be a leader in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. First of all, let's look at the need for leadership. Now, we know this is the feeding of the 5,000 plus their families. It is one of the most well-known of Jesus' miracles. Uh, This miracle is found in all four of the Gospels. uh, And uh, as my brother Herb would like to say, it is pregnant with revelation. There are a lot of ways you could preach uh, this story we could talk about what a small offering can do one boy's lunch uh, was able to feed a multitude i want to tell you tonight uh, never underestimate your giving never allow the devil to convince you that your gift doesn't matter there's also the truth that miracles happen even when there is doubt i'd like you to uh, uh, i'd like to believe you know that all these men were full of faith but when you read the story you know uh, that some of the disciples were filled with doubt didn't believe it could happen i'm so glad uh, that god doesn't depend on us uh, to do what he wants to do in the world amen there's also the truth uh, that uh, uh, that uh, you and i are called to feed the world that the reality of this is that uh, here uh, is a, 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 fall, a small group of men um, and thousands upon thousands of people and the need was overwhelming. But how many know as I stand here at the tip of Africa that uh, you're looking at uh, a continent uh, of I think I saw one and a half billion people uh, say, Pastor, uh, it's crazy. What are we here doing talking about winning Africa? I want to tell you if you can feed uh, a multitude with five loaves and two fishes, God can uh, touch uh, the continent of Africa. Can you say amen? And so all these truths are powerful. Uh, But tonight I want to focus in on another truth, um, and that is that this miracle is all about raising up leaders. This is uh, something that many times we miss, um, and I know that because our scripture says in verse 34, Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. And so let's think about that tonight. Jesus, when he sees people, doesn't see what we see. He sees needs in them. They tell us that probably there were 12,000 people there, if you count the wives and the children. And he had compassion on them, and he was moved. Not beloved, because they were hungry. 
not because they were homeless. Uh, the Bible says what moved Jesus' heart is they had no leader. There was an absence of leadership in their life. Uh, they were like sheep not having a, a shepherd. Now, I get that Jesus uh, is the good shepherd, um, but in fact, beloved, uh, he was looking at his disciples uh, and they didn't realize it, but he has uh, his eyes on them uh, because he wanted them to become leaders. Because the great need of humanity uh, is the need uh, for leadership. Um, and I want you to know tonight that leadership uh, in your life is an expression of God's love for you. If God loves you, he's going to give you a leader. If he, like the Lord, like we know the Lord Jesus says, that when he sees people, what moves him, what causes him to have pity, what causes Jesus to have compassion uh, is when he looks at people uh, that are leaderless, that have no leader in their life, uh, that uh, uh, you might say breaks the heart uh, of Jesus uh, because that's how significant uh, leadership is uh, in the human uh, personality. If you and I are going to get help, uh, then we're going to get help uh, because God has given us uh, a leader. Shepherds led the flock, um, and we know there's a simple equation, uh, and that is this, uh, that if you take away the shepherd, uh, then the sheep are totally vulnerable. I don't care this evening how smart you think you are. Uh, I don't care if you can do a 100 push-ups and sit-ups. Uh, I want to tell you, uh, if you reject leadership in your life, you are as vulnerable as a baby little lamb. Because God says, my love for you uh, is I'm going to give you uh, a leader. Leadership is not a human construct. From the beginning, leadership and authority have been a part of God's creation. From the moment he said, let there be light, and he set in order authority and structure. Noah, Abraham, Moses, David, Jesus, his disciples, the apostle Paul, Timothy. God has always chosen to move through structure and through leadership. Go back and read the book of Judges. Uh, every time they got in trouble, guess what God did? He had to raise up a leader. Because this is his expression um, of uh, his love and his compassion. Um, Acts 14, Paul and Barnabas on their first missionary journey, it says when they had appointed elders in every church uh, and prayed with fasting, uh, they commended themselves to the Lord in whom they had believed. Think about that for a minute. Paul and Barnabas would go into a city, uh, normally to a synagogue. Uh, they would begin to preach the gospel to people, minister to them. Uh, eventually, uh, persecution came. Uh, sometimes uh, they stoned them, uh, left Paul for dead. Uh, and the Bible says uh, that they would move on to the other city. Uh, but eventually, uh, they would turn around and they would visit these new converts. They would spend a little time with them. Uh, but before they left, they understood uh, if this church was going to survive, if these Christians were going to survive, somebody has to lead. There has to be a shepherd. And they took time to ordain leaders because this is how God moved. I stand here with an absolute conviction in the power of leadership. I also know that in a group this size, there are people right now you're disaffected with your own leader. Some of you, you have an attitude. You're, you're here uh, lifting your hands and praising the fellowship, but you can't even get along with your own pastor. 
you have no connection or or there's something wrong may God hear me tonight before you leave this Bible conference you better get it right because tonight God's love is through leadership I want to tell you I stand here uh, and, and, and say that any blessing or favor any fruitfulness any effectiveness in my life uh, has to do with the leadership that I've had my pastor pastor Warner has been my pastor now for nearly 45 years what a tremendous blessing I had a chance to work uh, with Pastor Mitchell for many, many years, and, and, uh, and uh, what a blessing. Uh, and I want to tell you, I'm not stupid tonight. Uh, if there's any covering or blessing, it's because God uh, gave me godly leadership in my life. Um, that was the love of God that gave me men of God, uh, and I thank God for that tonight. David said, the lions have fallen to me in pleasant places. Uh, I have a goodly heritage. And beloved, this is how God uh, moves uh, in our lives. Listen to this, Ezra 6.14. The elders of the Jews built and they prospered through the prophesying of Haggai the prophet and Zechariah. There are people here, you're blessed tonight, like our brother preached this morning. You now have businesses. You maybe got your education. You have a good job. You have finances. Uh, you're doing well. You're, you love to tell the story about how broke you were when you got saved. Uh, and now here you are today, uh, and you're blessed. Uh, the scripture says they prospered uh, at the preaching of Haggai and Zechariah. You ought to thank God for the men of God uh, who guided you and prayed for you and led you. Uh, amen. And kept you sane. Uh, and if you're blessed, it's because God put a man of God in your life. Proverbs 29, 2 says, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. And when the wicked man rules, the people groan. The centurion is an example of a great leader. He has a servant who is sick. You know, in those days, many of these rich people would care less about their servants. If their servant was sick, they would say, don't sneeze on me. They would have, they would, but here was a man uh, who had a compassion uh, on his servant, and he goes to the Lord, uh, and he begins to appeal to Jesus uh, to heal his servant, uh, and then he says the words that we all know. Uh, he says, listen, uh, you don't have to even come into my house. I understand authority. Uh, you speak the word, and my servant uh, will be healed, uh, because when you understand leadership, you understand spiritual authority. You ever wonder why rebels are so confused? Uh, because when you disrespect leadership, uh, you lose all spiritual dominion and authority in your life. We are talking about a powerful, powerful principle. Uh, and one more thing I'll say before I turn the corner tonight, uh, and that is if leadership is a blessing, then leadership is a target. That if the devil wanted to get you, uh, then he's going to get you uh, in your relationship with your leader. If he can somehow make you believe that your leader is not a good man, that your leader doesn't care about you. That your leader doesn't have time for you. Or he misunderstands you. And he begins to call into, your, uh, into you doubt over your leadership. Uh, then I want to tell you, friend, he gains an advantage uh, over your life. Uh, the Lord Jesus said uh, that de the devil's strategy is I will smite the shepherd uh, and the sheep of the flock uh, shall be scattered abroad. Um, and I want to tell you tonight the devil is always trying to smite the shepherd in your eyes. Because God's love is that he gave you a leader. I want to talk to you then about how God is looking for leaders. If this is true, then that means that God is interested in leaders tonight. That because he loves us, because he loves people, that means that he is actively raising up leaders and he must have more leaders. 
that he must uh, be able to compel men uh, to begin to understand the will of God. Let me ask you a question right now. Amen. I lost my water somewhere around here. I'm going to ask you a question this evening. Do you think you could spot a leader? You know, this is a leadership conference. If you walked around here and you were looking at, not, not the, the, the existing leadership, but you began to, could you spot a leader? Could you look around? Would you see them? I preached uh, yesterday the verse where it says that, uh, that when they came near that Samuel looked at Eliab and said, surely this is the Lord's anointed, that Samuel looked with the belief that he, he could see leadership. That you can look at, what does a leader look like? Now, we, dis, we already dismissed the idea that the brother has to be tall. <laughs> Amen. Pastor Ortiz and Pastor Heinberg and myself were part of that club. That's why I feel so comfortable coming here. Hey, I went and preached a Bible conference in Guatemala. I mean, the people are this tall. I felt like a basketball player over there. I, I went, come here, let's take a picture. Huh? Hey, li hey, little man, how you doing? You know what phrenology is? Phrenology was a, a, a study that believed that the shape of a skull could tell you about a person's character. It was started with the idea that uh, they would try to say, if they were trying to anticipate who would commit crimes. And so they came up with this idea that criminals might have a certain uh, 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 skull structure. And so people went from that and said, well, if it's true among criminals, then it's true for, for leaders. That leaders have a certain shaped head. And they did studies and they said, I'm not making this up. They said that an egg-shaped head was a sign of leadership. <laughs> Some of y'all looking around right now. Uh, uh, well, I see, I see a carrot over there. <laughs> you have the million-dollar personality, you know, the, you know, hey, how you doing? Turn that frown upside down. And, you know, I don't know if that'll make you a leader. It can make you a used car salesman. If you would have saw a 24-year-old young man and his 18-year-old wife, and he's in a wheelchair, and they're opening up in a church building that's smaller than your, this platform, would you, oh, that's a leader. Yeah, see, yeah, it says, oh, yeah, that guy's a leader. He's going to touch nations. What if you'd have saw Pastor Mitchell in the 1960s? Church after church after church, moving, 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 nothing really happening. Would you have said, oh, yeah, that man right there, that, that man, that middle-aged man, oh, yeah, that, that man's going to change the world. What if you saw an old biker who gets saved and lives in a tiny little town and the assemblies of God just kind of give him some paperwork and he has no education and he's pastoring in a town of a few hundred people. Oh, yeah, that guy's going to change the world. Can you spot a leader? See, the reality of this story is that here were men that are going to be leaders. We know them, Peter, James, John, Matthew. We, we know them, but they don't know it, and nobody else knows it. 
but Jesus. How do you get men who don't know their leaders to be leaders? One word, the word is involvement. This story is about how Jesus said, I'm going to do a miracle, but I'm going to bring these men into this miracle. If I was young again, and I mean younger, (laughs) if I was a teenager, you're here, you're so stirred, and I know what I thought. I was a teenager, and I went to a Bible conference, and I'm like, you know what, uh, you know, I'm, uh, how could this possibly happen? You know what I'd do if I were you, bro? I'd get involved. I would get so involved in my church. I would, do, and I would get on outreaches. I'd go to my pastor and say, Pastor, I want to start an outreach. I'd get in a band if you could play an instrument or sing or rap. If you know how to go, yo, 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 that qualifies you. <laughs> Be in the drama. You've been doing drama all your life. You might as well get into drama. <laughs> Follow up. And the truth is that we know these men, but this story is about Jesus involving these men. And I believe that was the first lesson of this whole miracle, was getting these men to become leaders. Three things that Jesus did here. Number one, he wanted them to see the way he saw. They said, Lord, it's the end of the day. Uh, They're tired. Let them go so they can get something to eat. They were obviously could totally identify with that. uh, And Jesus' words, you give them something to eat. Um, And when he says you give them something to eat, he wanted to change the way they saw. He wanted them to see the people the way he saw them. He wanted them to think Quit thinking about your own needs uh, and think about the needs of others. I want you to change the way you think. um, And this is what a leader is. A leader is somebody who's always thinking about uh, those uh, that he leads. His number one concern is them. It is how are they doing? What do we need to do for them? Every door director and door director's wife that comes in and I'm making them, I always tell them if I have done my job right, uh, that you're going to, when you walk through the doors of the church, you're going to look at it totally different than you did before. Most people walk into the church, they're thinking about their own needs. I need to talk to pastor. I need this. Oh, I hope you preach this good sermon. And And they're there to have their needs met. And that's valid. But I want to tell you, when you become a leader, you walk through the doors and you think, whose needs do I need to meet? What needs to happen? What needs to be taken care of? I watched Pastor Heimbra. I, 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 I mean, I've known him since uh, he was, uh, uh, you know, before he came into ministry, he was still young. And I want to tell you, when I see him walk through the door, where we come, we park, we walk, and immediately, as soon as he walks through the door, he's like a, and every, why? He wants everything to be right for you. His entire orientation is you. Sister Rachel, everything. I've got to spend time with him. Her entire is what needs to be done. That's leadership right there. It's not about you. If you've been sitting in this conference pouting because you're not getting recognized and noticed, this isn't about you. Leaders think about other people. And Jesus said, you know what, they, you know, Jesus is standing there, you know, uh, and they're saying, Lord, uh, you know, uh, they're tired and hungry. Let, let's go. KFC closes at nine. And um, 
And Jesus says, you give them something to eat. And what he's really saying is, gentlemen, instead of standing here asking me for something, why don't you step over here and stand alongside me and see what I see? You see things the way you, you see and you look at needs totally different. Second thing, he wanted them to start small, make them all sit down in groups and on the green grass. Leadership grows. Nobody who's going to have large leadership didn't start by leading a few. Eliab said, what have you done with those few sheep? We've got this little snapshot of David who would be the great king and we are introduced to him as a boy caring for a few sheep. I submit to you, every great leader started out by caring for a few sheep. By small leadership, being faithful in another man's, uh, this is how God works. It is there that he fights the lion uh, and the bear. But first, leadership uh, that I enjoyed in my life or participated in is uh, we got saved. Uh, and uh, I, I cannot sing. I cannot play music. The Tucson Church was a very music-driven church. Uh, and, uh, but I fell in love with street preaching. Uh, and so uh, we would go out. And we had a guy that was over us who kind of organized us. Um, and the next thing you know, and I'm not exaggerating to say that every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday... We were on the streets in the afternoon and on Friday and Saturday nights after the concert and uh, we, were, we were outreaching. And then one day, I, I think I was still in high school, and he said, uh, God spoke to me, you're to be my assistant. First of all, I don't think the brother had any authority to make assistance, but he did. <laughs> and then a few months later, he backslid. And so next thing you know, I've, I've got this ministry of just outreaches and, 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 and simply and doing that. And God just moved in small groups. Sometimes it was just me and another guy. You start small. God dealt with me to start a teen Bible study. You know, I, I cared about the teenagers. I was 18. And, uh, and uh, I asked Pastor Warner and in the middle of a fast. God put it in my heart. I said, and, and he let me. I wasn't married. You know, I said, can Yolanda help? He led her. I mean, this could have gone bad, folks. You know what the problem today is? Is guys want to go from nothing to everything overnight. Nobody wants to pioneer anymore. You know what will hurt our fellowship? If we get to the day when you got the guy running 15 people who's discontented, uh, and all he's waiting for is a promotion to a bigger church. That will kill us. Leadership is formed in, when you make them light small in small groups, when you put people in a small setting. You want to be a leader? Why don't you start a music group? Learn how to lead by having a band. Somebody said working with musicians is like working with new converts. It ain't good for you. That's one of those, you know, non-musician jokes that we like to tell, you know. <laughs> Why don't you lead an outreach? The next time your pastor says that we're going to send an impact team, why don't you go up to your pastor and say, Pastor, I will take responsibility to drive the van and I will lead that team. Because that's where leaders are formed. Let me hurry up. Number three, he wanted them to serve. He gave them to his disciples to set before them. So these men, Jesus said, I know you're hungry and tired, but I'm going to give you this food and you're not going to eat it. 
you're tired, but I'm going to have you move through this group of thousands, and I want you to serve them, and I want you to help them because a leader is a servant. In fact, you do your own study. You will not find the leader hardly at all in the, in the Bible. You find the word minister or servant. He wants you to serve. This is about service. It's about letting God use you. I'm going to say something, and I, I, I hope you don't get this wrong. I hope someone, that I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, but you know what? One of the things that troubles me, I was, a, I was discipled. I have discipled men. You aren't discipled in a classroom. You know what I've run into? I've had some guys over there in Texas is, well, we all get together and write sermons. What are you writing sermons for? You're not even preaching. Why don't you take that energy and go out on the street and outreach? Why don't you go follow up on somebody? You'll learn more about preaching on a street corner. I know. I got to write sermons. I got to feed the flock of God. But if we're not careful, this will turn into a classroom. Leadership is service. The first generation of leaders are serving the multitude. Acts chapter 6, the second generation of leaders are serving old women. Food. Serving is qualifying. That is what makes you a leader. That if you say, oh, I want to be a leadership, don't go to Bible. We always say, don't go to Bible college. Don't, you're not going to learn this in a textbook. You're going to serve. And it's very interesting that they went to the people and they said, we want you to choose the servants. And everybody knows who the servants are in the church. Every congregation knows who the servants are. There are men that stood around. I'm a man of God. Demons over here. That's a spirit over there. I cast out that springbok spirit. You know. Hey, but the brother won't bother to help a, an older sister in the church who's got a bunch of things. Walk right by her. Never comes a pastor, what do you need me to do? I had a guy in my church years ago, and I'm not making this up. I was in the office, and he knocked on my door, and he was frustrated. A new batch of young men were preaching in the concert, and he wasn't preaching. And he kind of came, Pastor, Pastor, what do I have to do? He goes, you know, I feel like you're not using me. I feel like I'm on the bench, and I could get out there, and I could score some points, man. I could do, and I thought, am I, am I Greg Popovich over here? Am I coach of the Spurs? Well, what, you know, and he's, he, had, he had this thing, like he's this great player, and I won't play him. I can preach better than all these guys. The problem is that nobody would choose him. He wasn't a servant. You want to lead your servant. You're doing something. It's, this is not academics. This is service. And Jesus said, oh, you guys want to eat? These are preachers, man. They're going to preach all over the world. They're going to write the New Testament. And he goes, you want to know how to do this? And he puts a basket in their hand full of fish and bread and says, this is how you learn. Praise the Lord. Let's move along here. Let's talk about the leader's blessing. So the, here's the, the pushback. Why lead? Let's be honest. Let's talk about the elephant in the room. What an appropriate term in Africa. <laughs> there are a lot of men that don't want to lead because they say, I see what leaders go through. And there's lots of labor. And what do I get back? Stress and very little in return. 
Why should I be a leader, Pastor Ruby? I see what happens. Leaders get criticized all the time. We make decisions, and there are always going to be people, I don't understand that. I don't see why they had to do it that way. Why did they choose him? Why did we do that? And you're saying, you hear that, I don't want to be putting myself in that position. Or just always being criticized and second-guessed. And if something doesn't work out right, see, I told you, and I tell you that would happen. You get betrayed. We take our credibility and we place it on somebody. And then that person stabs us in the back. And I'm, I'm going to guarantee people watch this. This fellowship's old enough now where you've seen some things. And you're just like, man, I, why would I want to be a leader? Pastor, I see these guys go out and then I see them come back for redirection. And it's like, shh, shh, I don't, I don't want to do that. If you're ever in Springfield, Illinois, go to the Lincoln Museum there, the Lincoln Library. Abraham Lincoln is there. So I, 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 have, I was mentioning in the other churches how he is the greatest president our country ever had. And you go to his library they have a, a whole section of the museum on all the criticism that he endured as president. I mean, it's not just a, you know, a panel. They got a whole wing of the things that they said about him and his wife. And I mean, you go through there. This is the 1860s. And I'm like, man, you, you talk about social media. These people were wicked. I mean, they went after his wife. They attacked her, attacked the way she wore her hair, the way she dressed. Uh, they, you got to understand, back then, back in those days, um, uh, uh, Illinois was considered the West. They were country folk. They were backwards. Washington, D.C. is in the East, where those were highbrow, intellectual. These were people that were refined. And so here comes Lincoln and, uh, uh, you know, Abraham and Mary, and they go there, and, and they treat them like hillbillies, like Casey's. They made fun of their clothing and their, you know, uh, and they treat them like, like uh, they were, you know. And you read this, it's horrible. And people say, I'm not doing that. I don't want to be a leader. I don't want to go through that. But the Bible says something, and I'm going to finish really quickly. Mark 6.43 says that we all know that at the end of feeding the multitude, they took up 12 baskets full of fragments and of fish. And I'm not the first Bible commentator to observe that 12 hungry men ended the day with 12 baskets. <laughs> or in other words, that in the middle of this, it, Jesus wanted to communicate Gentlemen, when you assume responsibility, I have your back, that I have something for you. When you were willing to, this is not, you know, see, the lie is, yeah, you're just going to get burned if you're a leader. And he says, no, you're not. You are not going to get burned. I am well aware uh, 12,000 people are going to be not only fed, but I want to make sure that at the end of the day, you understand that I'm glad that I did this. Listen, I can't promise you that you're going to be famous. I cannot promise you you're going to travel the world. I can't even say that in this life that what you did for God will even be recognized. But I can't promise you this, that, promise you this, that God tracks every one of his leaders. And he has his eye on you. And quickly, three things that the Bible says you'll do. Number one, it's a privilege to serve alongside the shepherd. 
Remember, he's the chief shepherd. We're the under shepherd. We have the privilege of working alongside him. How can you and I caring about what he cares about hurt us? How can loving his church that he loved and gave himself for, how on earth is that going to hurt you? The accusation is, you know what, uh, you're going to burn out. Yeah, I'm too much ministry. I'm, I'm from Monday, I'm, uh, Sunday, I'm going home, I'm going to preach on a sermon on, on working in your church, and you better be working in your church. And it's all, well, no, I just got burnt out. I was just, you know, I just got burnt out, and my family's suffering. Because Listen to me. If you and I love what he loves, that's going to benefit us, not hurt us. The second thing is the power of serving with the shepherd. Because these men are going to have power. He's going to say to them, you're going to cast out devils. He says, you're going to lay hands on the sick. They're going to recover. You're going to raise the dead. These men are going to traffic in spiritual power. Spiritual power is not so that you uh, and three of your friends can sit around laying hands on each other, prophesying over each other. Spiritual power is the language of evangelism. Uh, and he says, if you will uh, let me guide you, if you will be a leader, I will give you power. And you're going to see miracles through your life. See, a lot of people, I want miracles, uh, but do you want to lead? When you step into authority, gentlemen, you also step into spiritual authority. And number three, there's a promise. And that promise is the words others have labored and you have entered into their labors. And I want to tell you tonight that God says, I keep an eye on what you're doing. And you may not understand it here. And I'm going to close with a, an illustration that's probably been used here before, but fits. Story goes, in Australia a number of years ago, there was a, uh, a, uh, a pastor who had a, he had a large church there, and he had a particular man come and give his testimony. And when this man stood up and gave his testimony, the church must have had several thousand people, the man said that he was in the, the Navy, uh, there, the Australian Navy, and they came to port there in Sydney. And he said he, was, he, he got off the boat, and his story was, I was walking up the street, headed to the bars and the clubs where all the sailors go. And he said that a man came up to me, costed him, and said, uh, if you were to die tonight, where would you spend eternity? And the man was a little shocked. The guy gave a little gospel shot. He said, I moved on from there, but I could not get those words out of my mind. And he said, I ended up becoming a Christian. So he gave this testimony in church after the service. Three or four men in this group came up to the pastor and said, that's what happened to me. That's it. I was in Sydney. I was walking up the street, the sky, and, and they got saved. And so the pastor was interested. Like, wow, this is interesting. So this guy preaches around Australia. So he built a sermon about this, these men and all saying they got saved. So he goes to another city. He preaches the sermon, tells that story. And sure enough, men begin to come to him after the service and say, that happened to me too. So he decides he's going to travel Australia preaching that sermon. What he's trying to do is canvas and find out how many people, as he began to do this, uh, he began, began to reach into the dozens of men. None of them ever, under, ever even considered somebody else uh, had the same experience. But it turned out, I think, they, I think the article said 52 men said that they were saved because as a sailor walking into the clubs... A man on the street grabbed him, if you were to die tonight, where you spend eternity. So what the pastor did after collecting this information, 
He went to Sydney. He began to walk up the street, what's called George Street. He began to walk up the street and began to inquire, hey, are you familiar with the preacher, this man? And some of the old timers said, oh, yeah, yeah. We know you're talking about Frank Jenner. Yeah, for years, Frank Jenner would be here and he would do that. Well, where is he? Well, he's had some physical problems. He's not able to get around anymore. And so he begins to research, and sure enough, he finds this little apartment where Frank Jenner and his wife lived. He goes up there, he sits down, and he tells them his story. He begins to say, look, uh, all these men say that it's because of you that they're Christian. And let me just read you what it says. It says, Jenner, then 50 years old, cried. Because he had not previously known that even one person he had talked to had remained a Christian beyond their initial profession of faith. Sitting there in a little apartment, broken physically, and somehow believed that it didn't make a difference. I want to tell you something, friend. God keeps track. Others have labored and they've entered. That tells me that Jesus knows who we are tonight. And I'm standing up here and I'm saying that God is trying to awaken leadership. And specifically when God dealt with me to write this sermon is he said, say there are teenagers, young men right now, he wants to awaken it in you. Say there are men who have failure in your past and tell them that he wants to awaken leadership in you and that there are older men and tonight he wants to put his hand on you. Let's bow our heads. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode of the VBPH Sermon Podcast. When you listen to these inspiring messages, you are helping to send missionaries from the Chandler Bible Conference in September. If you loved what you heard, please send this message to someone that needs to hear it. Then leave us a review using the links in the show notes so that everyone who wants to find this podcast will see it when they search for it. We cannot thank you enough. See you next time.